Thank you for listening to the Pentecostals of Bossier City Sermon Podcast. For more information, including our live webcast schedules, please visit www.pobc.cc. I feel it very heavy on my spirit what God has given me to say tonight. And uh, I just want to obey the Holy Ghost. I just want to follow what God has told me to speak tonight. And I believe that by the end of this service, lives are going to be changed. How many knows that lives can be changed in this place tonight? You don't have to leave the same way that you came in, but God can do a work. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to leave the same way that I came today. But I want to leave changed in the presence of the Almighty God. I want God to work on me. I want God to do something in my life tonight. And I'm believing by the end of this service, he's going to do just that. Why don't you turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 21. We will start reading at verse 1. The setting of this scripture text is in Nob. And here we find David, who God has anointed to be the next king of Israel, uh, fleeing from the current king of Israel, Saul. And David and his men being hungry, stopped by Nob and pay a visit to Ahimelech, the high priest, hoping that he would be able to help in their search to satisfy their hunger. And we began our reading with their conversation tonight in 1 Samuel chapter 1. The Bible says, Then David came to Nod to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech was afraid at the meeting of David and said unto him, Why art thou alone and no man with thee? And David said unto Ahimelech the priest, The king hath commanded me a business and hath said unto me, Let no man know anything of the business whereabout I send thee and what I have commanded thee. And I have appointed my servants to such and such a place. Now therefore, what is under thine hand? Give me loaves of bread in my hand or what there is present. And the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread under mine hand, but there is hallowed bread. If the young men have kept themselves at least from women. And David answered the priest and said unto him, Of a truth, women have been kept from us about these three days since I came out. And the vessels of the young men are holy, and the bread is in a manner common. Yea, though it were sanctified this day in the vessel. So the priest gave him hollow bread, for there was no bread there but the show bread that was taken from before the Lord to put hot bread in the day when it was taken away. And this is the last portion that we'll read tonight, and this is the portion of Scripture that I want us to pay special attention to. The Bible says, Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day detained before the Lord, and his name was Doeg, an Edomite, the chiefest of the herdmen that belonged to Saul. I want to preach tonight with the help of the Lord from this title, The Impossible Friendship of David and Doeg. The Impossible Friendship of David and Doeg. I wonder right now if you would lift up your hands and I wonder if you would begin to pray and ask for the anointing of the Almighty God to just settle in this room. I've already felt his presence here, but I pray, God, right now in Jesus' name that you would move in this service tonight. God, we take dominion. We take authority, God, over every spirit that would exalt itself above the wisdom and the knowledge of God. And, Lord, we release right now your power. We release your authority in this room. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would speak a word to us tonight, God. We don't want to hear the words of man, but God, we want to hear a word from you tonight. Anoint us tonight, God. Speak in this room today, God. Challenge us in our hearts and in our spirits, oh God. And we'll forever give your name the praise and the glory and the honor. One more time, why don't you clap your hands unto the Lord and give him praise in this room. Be seated in the presence of the Lord. To understand the context of the impossible friendship of David and Doeg, 
you have to travel back several generations before David and Doeg had ever been thought of. For before there were two impossible friends, there were two impossible brothers by the name of Jacob and Esau. These brothers were both possessed a great heritage as descendants of that great patriarch of the nation of Israel, Abraham. This Abraham to whom God spoke that he would make out of his seed a great nation. This Abraham to whom God promised your seed will be greater than the stars of the sky and the sand on the seashore. This Abraham that believed the word of God and left behind the comfort of temporal gratification to pursue the sacred promise of a land that God would show him. This is the grandfather of these two impossible brothers, Jacob and Esau. What a great heritage of faith these men had. What an incredible opportunity they both had to pass the legacy of pursuing the sacred over the temporal down to their children and to their children's children. Yet one of these brothers, in a moment of weakness and desperation, makes a decision that would turn away the lineage of his family from its godly roots forever. Esau, one day after hunting, returns home weak and starved and in a desperate need of food. And in his weakness, Esau goes against everything that is consistent with his godly heritage and trades away his birthright for the temporal satisfaction of a bowl of lentil soup. Here he willingly kills the sacred in exchange for the temporal Can I tell you, this is not what his grandfather Abraham modeled when he left everything behind to pursue the sacred things of God. This is not what Isaac, his father, modeled when he willingly allowed Abraham to place him upon that altar with every intent of killing him. It was more than just a simple agreement that gave him the temporary relief that Esau agreed to in exchange for something poor or meager. But Esau literally traded away his inheritance for one moment of relief from the pain that he was experiencing. He killed what was sacred for one moment of relief from the pressure. The course of Esau and his seed was forever changed because he succumbed to a fleeting moment of difficulty. I come tonight with a great burden for some young person in this room. The Holy Ghost has quickened my spirit to the reality that there are some in this room. I dare say many in this room that are in situations that mirror the dilemma that Esau was in. You are in a season of weakness. A season of feeling faint in your spirit. You feel the pressure from the world around you intensifying with each passing day. And the battle within to remain victorious over lust and over perversion and over sexual purity. It's almost too much for you to bear. You are to the point right now where you literally want to shout to the heavens and say, God, do you care about what is going on in my life right now? Can I tell somebody in this place today? you feel frustrated and you're not asking for anything big you're not asking for anything hard all you want is some relief and there is seemingly no relief to be found I'm preaching to you tonight I'm coming after you tonight with all that I have in my spirit God sent me from Maryland tonight to remind you that now is not the time to give up on God. Now is not the time to give up on your holiness. Now is not the time to kill what is sacred in pursuit of temporal gratification and relief. But now is the time to make up your mind. There is nothing worth giving up my inheritance for. There is no trial that is worth me turning around. There is no tribulation that is worth me giving up now. God has done too much for me to give up now. God has done too much in my life for me to back up now. And it may be tough and it may be difficult and it may be hard. But I'm determined I'm going to hold out until God does something in my life. 
there's somebody in this room today uh, that's going to say, God, uh, I will not let holiness die in my life. Uh, I know I feel pressure from the voices of this world around me uh, telling me that I should give up holiness. Uh, but tonight, uh, I will not trade uh, holiness uh, for temporal relief. Uh, I will not trade uh, I will not trade the sacred things of God for temporal relief, but I'm making up my mind. I will hold on to truth. I will hold on to holiness. I will hold on to righteousness. Come on, the devil is a liar. You can make it. The devil is a liar. You can be victorious. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. I will not let my purity die. I will not let my salvation die. This salvation is sacred to me. This salvation means more to me than anything in this world. Is there anybody that can stand up and say, this is precious to me. I know I'm going through a tough time right now, but this is valuable to me. Holiness is valuable to me. My salvation is valuable to me. Righteousness. It's valuable to me. And I know right now I'm facing the temptation to turn around and walk away from God. I'm facing the temptation right now to give up and throw in the towel. Some of you are facing immense pressure in your school systems. Some of you are facing immense pressure in your family and in your homes. And you want to do like Esau did and give up the sacred things of God for just a little bit of relief. God, can you give me just a little bit of relief? God, can you just move a little bit? I come to tell you today, I know it's difficult. I know it's hard. I know you're going through it right now. But I'm telling you right now. If you'll hold on just a little while longer, God will come through for you. If you'll hold on just a little while longer, God will make a way for you. Come on. What you have is worth more than the pain that you're going through right now. I know it's tough. I know it's difficult. But make up your mind. This means too much to me for me to give up on God. you feel that way I wonder if you would clap your hands and give God praise in this room I'm not giving up now I'm not turning around now I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory late in the midnight hour my God will turn it around so I'm holding on I'm holding on I'm not giving up I'm holding on Holding on. First Peter 1, 3, rather, First Peter 1 and verse 4 says, And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure, undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. Verse 6 goes on to say, So be truly glad. Is there anybody that's glad in this place that you have what you have? Is there anybody in this place that says, I may be going through tough times right now, but I realize how privileged I am to have what I have, and therefore I will rejoice in the Lord, and I will be glad. I will sing even upon my bed of affliction. I will dance even in the midst of my dilemma. I will give God worship in the midst of what I'm going through because I know my salvation is valuable. Verse 6, so truly be glad. There is wonderful joy ahead. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while, in this life, you're going to endure trials. In this life, you're going to endure circumstances that you cannot figure out. In this life, friends are going to turn their back on you. In this life, family members are going to tell you that you're worthless and that you'll never be anything. In this life, there's going to be trials and tests. But verse 9 goes on to say, but the reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your soul. Can I tell somebody in this place, it is worth it to live for God. God, in spite of the pressure around you. 
It's worth it to have a determination in your spirit that in spite of what goes on around me, I'm going to be on fire for God. I'm going to live for God. I'm not going to let anything tear me away from the presence of God because I know one sweet day, it's going to be worth it all. I know one sweet day. I'm going to be dancing on streets of gold. I know one sweet day. I'm going to see Jesus face to face. And that alone makes it worth it all. If you feel that way, I wonder if you would clap your hands in the face of what you're going through and say, I'm going to make it. I preached to someone tonight that what you have is valuable. What you have is precious and priceless. And I know the trials of this life cause you to want to give in. But if you'll just hold on, it will be worth it all. There are some of you who are being made fun of in your school. There are some of you who people talk about all the time. They tell you that you need to quit doing what you're doing. You need to quit being the light and the example that you are. Don't you know the way that you live is antiquated? Don't you know the things that you do no one ever does anymore? Don't you know that nobody ever walks around being modest anymore? Don't you know that nobody walks around with purity anymore? Don't you know that this is outdated? You need to give up on that. But can I tell somebody in this place today, do not trade temporal gratification and temporal affirmation for your soul. Do not trade the acceptance of right now for a rejection that's going to come later. Come on, somebody. But make up your mind. This is precious. I love this. I love this truth. I'm not giving up on this truth. I'm not giving up. But I will stand firm. I will stand true. I will be what God is calling me to be. There's not a price too high that I won't pay. There's not a cost too great that I'm not willing to pay. But God, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll be what you want me to be. Because this is valuable to me. will not kill what is sacred. I will not destroy what is valuable to me. Can I tell you that this truth that we love is too precious for me to give up on it now. This truth that we believe is too valuable for me to give up on it now. Too many elders gave their lives to this and for this. But I will not allow anything to get in between me and what I stand for but I will stand for holiness I will not let the sacred things of God die he was nervous as nervous as anyone would be on their first day of the job his father had summoned him that day as he'd done so many times before to come from the field and up to the house so that he might inform him of some request or information that he wanted him to know. However, it is not a personal request of his father that caused Jesse to summon David that day, but rather King Saul himself has summoned David to the palace to play the harp for him that he might drive away the evil spirits that now tormented him because of his rebellion towards God. And so a nervous wreck, David walks into the palace for the very first time. And I could just imagine thoughts were going through David's mind such as, what will Saul think of me? How should I act? Do I, do I look okay? Did I get the grass out of my hair from the field? Do I, do I still smell like sheep? Am I okay? And with the inability to suppress the nerves any longer, David stops just before entering into the court of Saul to compose himself. Get it together, David. Perhaps he muttered, thinking that there was not anyone else around to hear him talking. And all of a sudden, a voice says, you talk to yourself too, huh? David looks and, oh my, I, I didn't see you there. The man responds, it's okay, I, it's okay, David, I talk to myself as well. The sheep definitely don't talk, so you have to keep yourself company, you know. 
David looks back and says, you're, you're a shepherd? The man replies, I am. David, so am I. That's so cool. The man looks back at David and says, Doeg. Doeg is my name. And David looks back and says, David. And so the friendship of Doeg and David begins. Now, I don't know if it happened exactly like that. But I imagine David's introduction to Doeg was somewhere along these lines. No doubt David's encounter with Doeg in our scripture text was not the first one that he'd had with Doeg. But one of many. For Doeg was a chief shepherd for King Saul's flock, the Bible says. So during David's tenure as the king's personal musician, he had no doubt run into Doeg in the palace. I would imagine that the common ground of being shepherds had calls for David and Doeg to connect rather organically. Perhaps they shared the secrets of the trade. Perhaps they had grabbed coffee at the local Starbucks together a time or two. I would say it's very possible that David and Doeg were friends. But although they had a lot in common, they were very different because, you see, Doeg was an Edomite who perhaps was transported as a prisoner of war from the battles between Edom and Israel who were bitter enemies. And David was an Israelite. This is significant because, you see, Edomites were a direct descendant of Esau and the Israelites were a direct descendant of Jacob. And thus, the traits and value systems of Esau and the traits and value systems of Jacob have been passed down from generation to generation until they find themselves manifested in the lives of David and Doeg. David was a man that valued the sacred. He wouldn't kill Saul even though Saul was held. Saul tried to kill him. David knew that Saul had God's anointing on his life and he would not kill him. David had a tremendous respect for the priesthood, the Sabbath, the men on whom the anointing of God had been poured out. Even when David again tried to kill, or Saul rather, tried to kill David, David knew that I will not touch the Lord's anointed. What God has called sacred, what God has called holy, I will not touch. But Doeg, Doeg was different. Doeg was ambitious and reckless. Living for the temporal. Living for the here and now without any regard for the things that were sacred to David. How could he reverence these things? How could he? You see, he wasn't raised the way that David was. He wasn't raised from the moment of his birth cherishing the things that Israel cherished. He wasn't raised knowing here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. He wasn't raised knowing that thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. So how could he love what David loved and hate what David hate? Can I tell you in this place, we cannot expect for Doeg to value what David value valued and just as we cannot expect Doeg to value the things that David valued you cannot expect the world to value the things that we value I cannot preach to somebody in this place today it doesn't matter how much you try to explain sometimes it doesn't matter how much you try to show it to people sometimes if they don't have the spirit of revelation if they don't have the power of the Holy Ghost to illuminate their eyes they will not see what you see so you don't need to spend your time trying to explain to Doeg why you do what you do. You don't need to spend your time trying to explain to Doeg why you value what is sacred over temporal gratification. But you need to make up your mind that in spite of what Doeg says, in spite of what this world says, I'm going to stay on fire for God. I'm going to value holiness. I'm going to value righteousness. I'm going to value clean living. Doeg, you may not understand. Doeg, you may not understand and know but Doeg what I have it's precious what I have is valuable some of us are going around wondering why people don't see things the way that we see it why can't people just understand why we I wish people would understand I wish people would give us a break I wish people would give us temporary Relief from the pressure 
that I'm feeling right now. But can I tell you in this place that Doeg will never understand. Doeg will never value the things that you value. Doeg will never cherish the things that you cherish. So you need to make up your mind. I'm not looking for the approval of Doeg. I'm not looking for the approval of this world. My only approval that I'm looking for is the approval and the affirmation of my God. And if God calls a thing right, if God calls a thing sacred, if God calls a thing holy, that's all I need to know. I'm going to stand for it. I'm going to live for it. I'm going to pee about it because my God is the one that I have allegiance to. So the Bible lets us know that after a while of David coming into the temp, the palace, and you know the story, David flees King Saul as Saul is seeking his life because of the jealousy that Saul has of the anointing of God that is on David's life. The Bible says that he flees to Nob. And here at Nob, David finds the priest Ahimelech. David and his men, by the time they get to Ahimelech, are so very hungry that they come to Ahimelech and they say, Ahimelech, we're desperate. We need something to eat. We're parched. We're, we're thirsty. We need something. We need sustenance to make it on our journey. Is there anything that you have to feed us? And the Bible talks about how David, when he walks in there, Ahimelech says, yes, we have the hallowed bread. We have this to feed to you. And he gives the bread to David, and David begins to eat. But here, David, as he's surveying the audience that is there before Ahimelech, notices a very familiar face that perhaps he hadn't seen in a long time. David notices the face of Doeg. And here in this moment, there is all types of light bulbs that begin to go off in David's head because, you see, David knows the tendencies of Doeg. And at this point, David realizes that if he does not do something about Doeg, that Doeg is going to cause for there to be a great tragedy that occurs. David at this point realizes that I can either let Doeg live and something sacred will die. Or David, you can kill Doeg and the priesthood lives. It was very apparent. David knew. David calculated exactly, man, I'm here with Ahimelech. I, and Doeg is here, and I know that Doeg is, is, has pledged his allegiance to Saul. And I know that if Doeg is here, he's going to go back to Saul. And when he goes back to Saul, he's going to tell Saul that David is conspiring with Ahimelech. And all of a sudden, Ahimelech's life is going to be in danger. And something sacred, the priesthood, something holy is going to die. I've got I to make a decision here. So the Bible says that David does. The exact opposite of what he should not have done. David does nothing. David allows for Doeg to live. Knowing the tendencies of Doeg. Knowing that Doeg has no value of what David values. Knowing that Doeg has no sense of understanding about the things that they value. David allows Doeg to go scot-free. Can I tell you right now that we are at a very pivotal moment in our generation. We can either let Doeg live or we can kill Doeg. I've come to preach to somebody in this place today that we are at a very pivotal point in our lives. There are things that Doeg is trying to get rid of. There are things that Doeg is trying to kill. And we have a choice. We have a decision to make tonight. Either we can make up our mind that we're going to kill Doeg before Doeg begins wiping out sacred things. Or we're going to let Doeg go and with it everything that we hold sacred and dear. But I believe I have some young people in the house tonight that says I'm not going to let Doeg live. I'm not willing for sacred things to 
die, not on my watch, not while I'm alive, not while I'm here, but I have a value for the things of God. Therefore, I'm going to take Doeg out. Therefore, I'm going to kill anything that will try to disrupt the anointing and the calling of God on my life. Come on, somebody. I know that it may seem a little bit harsh, but you need to kill Doeg. You need to kill anything and everything that's trying to wipe out your faith. You need to kill anything and everything that's trying to wipe out what's sacred and what's holy. I've come to preach in direct contradiction to the spirits of this world that tell you that you can be friends with Doeg. Can I tell you that it is impossible for you to be friends with Doeg? It did not matter how much David wanted to be friends with Doeg. David had a lot in common with Doeg. David had a lot that he would uh, talk about with Doeg. They were both shepherds. They both had things in common. Perhaps David and Doeg got along on a personality level. But David, David, you should have killed Doeg while you had a chance. David, it is impossible for you to be friends with Doeg. It's impossible for you to be friends with someone that values the temporal things of this world. David, you need to kill Doeg. You need to kill Doeg. I've come to preach to somebody in this place. It's time to kill Doeg in your life. I know what I'm preaching to right now. I'm preaching to a spirit world that tells you that you can mingle with Doeg. That you can be friends with Doeg. You know what? That is a direct lie from the enemy. I'm tired of the enemy telling us that we can mingle with Doeg, that we take our cues for how to bring people to church and how to bring people to God from Doeg. I'm tired of us sacrificing the things that are sacred for temporal gratification. The devil is a liar. You cannot be friends with Doeg, but you got to make up your mind. I will kill Doeg. Anything that tries to take out the sacred things of God, anything that's coming after my holiness, anything that's coming after my purity anything that's coming after what God has called sacred and holy in my life I'm going to get it out I'm going to get it out I'm going to get it out Doeg you don't understand I'm sure David was deliberate deliberating back and forth in his mind, having a conversation with God. You know how we do. God, you don't understand. Doeg is a good guy. I don't want to kill Doeg. I don't, I don't want to get rid of Doeg. He's, he's a great guy. And in the back of David's mind, he hears that still small voice saying, David, you know you know what's going to happen if you don't take Doeg out. You know as soon as you leave this place, Doeg is going to go back to Saul. And he's going to tell Saul exactly what happened. And you know David was at risk. And it may not happen, David, but you're putting it at risk. You know that Saul in his infuriation is going to try to kill the, the priesthood. David, you know that you're risking something that you should not be risking. So, David, you better kill Doeg. I've come to preach to somebody in this place today. You better quit risking. You better quit risking those things in your life that God is saying get rid of. You need to make up your mind tonight. I'm not playing games with God. I'm not playing games with my salvation. I'm not playing games with the sacred. I'm not playing games with the holy. But I will kill anything that disrupts me from being what God has called me to be. I'm going to get rid of it. I'm going to get rid of it. I'm going to get rid of it. I want to be holy. I want to be pure. I want to be righteous in the sight of God. Would you clap your hands? Would you lift up your voice and pray? Would you begin to pray right now? I know today that we're fighting against the spirit. I know today that we're fighting against the spirit of Doeg in this generation. 
Some of you are like, how in the world do you have the authority to say what you're saying right now? Just 29 years. You're right. I'm a young buck. I'm not much older than any of you, than most of you. But this year, and I don't say this to hype myself up, but this year, God allowed me to experience some dreams in my life. My songs, two of my songs went to number one on the charts. Incredible moments. Moments that were literally prophesied in my life. Moments that God has spoken would happen in my life when I was eight, nine, ten years old. Things that were incredible that God did in my life. But you know something? As soon as I begin to experience success, the way it came knocking at the door. Hey, James. Listen, man. Now, this is what you need to do in order for you to experience a little more success. And I remember one conversation I had with a guy about three or four months ago. And he knows who I am. He knows what I'm about. He knows the things that I stand for. I am not ashamed of the fact that I am an apostolic Pentecostal. I am around people all the time that are not like me. And I try not to be dogmatic, but I'm just a little bit proud of the truth that I've grown up in. And so they know exactly where I stand on things, and they know exactly how I do things. And I can remember one conversation I was having with, with a guy. And he said, you know what, man? He said, I know. I know who you are. He said, I know what you stand for. He said, I know the things that you value, and I know the things that you hold dear. He said, but let me tell you something. He said, if you want to reach more people, he said, you're going to kind of have to let go of those things. He said, if you want to reach more people, some of the stuff that you do is a little bit antiquated, bro. That's a little bit old school. And if you want to reach people, if you want to be palatable to a lot of people, you got to get rid of those things. And I can remember a righteous indignation welling up in my spirit. And I began to say I was, I was nice. And I, I, was not, I tried not to be rude. But I remember saying to him, man, you must not know who I am. You must not know that 20 years ago at an apostolic altar, I made a decision that I will stand for truth. That I will stand for holiness. I don't care what you throw my way. I don't care how much money. I don't care how much fame you throw at me. This is valuable to me. This is precious to me. And Doeg, I'm not going to let you steal what is sacred. I'm not going to let you steal what is valuable. This joy that I have, the world that it given. And I'm not going to let the world take it away Doeg you're going to get out of my life I had a decision to make and the decision was an easy one for me because I value what we have I value what is sacred to us I value what is dear to us and I'm not going to let any amount of money I'm not going to let any amount of fame take me away from what God has I would to God that there would be some young person that would throw their hands up in the air right now and say, God, I want what you want. I want what you want. Doeg needs to die. Don't let him live. He's been living too long in your life. Come on, somebody. You need to make a decision right now. I'm going to kill Doeg. I'm going to kill Doeg. Anything that's not like God, I'm getting rid of it. It's precious to me. It's valuable to me. I remember... Being not much older or younger than you at a youth camp. And the presence of God getting a hold of me on the right side of the altar. 
And I made a commitment that day. I made a vow to God. And by the mercy and grace of God, I'm not going back on it. I made a commitment to God. God, if you will use me, if you will do things in my life, I'm not going to allow the temporal things. I'm not going to allow money. I'm not going to allow fame. I'm not going to allow success to get in the way of what you have for my life. But anytime Doeg starts to raise his head, I'm going to kill it. Anytime anybody speaks against the calling and the anointing on my life, I'm going to kill it. Anytime someone speaks against holiness, I'm going to kill it. Anytime someone speaks against kindliness, I'm going to take it out. I'm not playing games. I'm not serious about this thing. I need you in my life. Therefore, I will kill. So we find after David allows Doeg to slip through the cracks. The Bible says that, that was when things kind of shifted. We find that Doeg does immediately what David feared that he would do. The Bible says that Saul, as he's whining and complaining, looking for a little sympathy, asked for the whereabouts of David. And the Bible says that Doeg, that man who valued the temporal gratification of Saul and held no value for the sacred things that David held dear, pipes up and says, I know where he's at. The Bible says that Doeg speaks, tells Saul, yeah, I, I was, as a matter of fact, I was just chilling with David. We were over at Ahimelech's house having a little bread together. Saul says, you mean to tell me that Ahimelech is in cahoots with David, and all of a sudden, the thing that David knew would happen. Saul gets angry. Saul becomes enraged. He says, bring me Ahimelech right now. The Bible talks about how they bring, they bring Ahimelech, that sacred man of God, that holy man of God. And Saul begins to question him and tell him and ask him, Ahimelech, are you aligned with David? Is your allegiance with David? Because David's been talking about me. David's against me. And Ahimelech says, I'm innocent. I didn't know. I didn't realize. I thought David was with you. I thought David was for you. And Saul is like, sure you did. And the Bible says that Saul commands his footmen around him to kill Ahimelech. But you see, these footmen were not Edomites. These footmen were not men of Edom like Doeg was. And even though they were on the wrong side of the track, these men had a value for things that were sacred. These men had a value for things that were holy. These men had a value for things that were righteous. And at the command of Saul, these men fold their arms and do nothing. They were of the lineage of Jacob, that man who understood that there is a value in sacred things. There's a value in what we have. And I will not. I don't care if the king himself commands me to take away things that are sacred. I don't care if the king himself commands me to kill things that are holy and sacred unto God. I will not touch what is holy and is sacred unto God. I come to tell somebody in this place today, I don't care who tells you. I don't care if the president of the United States tells you you need to back up on what you believe in. I don't care if your teacher or your professor tells you you need to back up up you need to make up in your mind I don't care who tells me I don't care who commands me I'm not packing up I will not kill what is sacred unto God but and I'm coming to a close the musicians can come 
this impossible friend of David, after everything goes silent, and Saul is looking around, wondering who is going to step up and do what I said to do. Just as David fears, Doeg, who values the temporary gratification, the moment right now, the feeling that I have when Saul is going to look at me with glee as I've killed the thing that is afflicting him, that Doeg steps up to the plate. And the Bible says that he begins to kill those priests. He begins to slay Ahimelech. And I can imagine the horror of the men around as they're watching this disgraceful sight. As the Bible says that Ahimelech, or rather Doeg, kills 85 priests that day. The Bible says that word gets back to David. Word gets back to David about what happened. The Bible said that David, after hearing what happened, David, after hearing what had happened, the Bible says that David, with heaviness in his heart, says, I knew that day that I saw Doeg. I knew that day that I saw him there. That if I did not take him out, that if I did not kill Doeg, I knew that day that he would kill things that were sacred, that he would kill things that were holy, that he would kill things that we hold dear and precious. I knew that day, but I did nothing. I stood there with my arms crossed. I stood there trying to appease, not wanting to offend, not wanting to kill Doeg. And because I did not kill Doeg, Doeg has killed something that I value and I hold dear. The Bible says that David says that day that the blood of all these men is on my hand. Why, David, you didn't kill them. Why, David, you didn't do it. No, but what did you fail to do, David? You failed to kill Doeg while you had the chance. You failed to take Doeg out while you had an opportunity. David, you knew in your heart of hearts that there was going to be a great, a great calamity that would befall you if you did not kill Doeg. But David, you made a deliberate decision that I will let Doeg live. And because Doeg lived, what was sacred died. David says, the blood is on my hand. And so tonight, as I come to a close, I feel such a tremendous burden in my spirit today for somebody. Because right now, just like David knew, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know that you shouldn't be playing around with Doeg. Yet day after day, you come playing games with Doeg. Night after night, you come playing games. And you know eventually, Doeg is going to get into your life and start taking away things that are sacred and taking away things that are holy. But you say, come on, it's just a little bit here. It's just a little bit there. Come on, it's not that big of a deal. But you know, you know, you know, like David knew, that if I don't take Doeg out, Doeg is going to kill sacred in my life. And so I have I have a question for every person in this room today. And I know I'm not talking to everyone. And it's not always fun to preach a message like this. I wish I could have gotten up and preached a message that made us all jump around and and feel good about ourselves. But I know the assignment that God gave me tonight for somebody in this place today. And I have a question for you. Are you going to continue to allow Doeg to live? 
Are you going to continue to allow those things in your life that you know you should get rid of to live? Are you going to make a decision today that I'm going to value the things of God? I'm going to value the righteousness of God, the sacred, the holy things of God more than I do the approval and the friendship of Doeg. These altars right now are open. I wonder if everyone in this room would come. I wonder if you would come with hands lifted. I wonder if you would come with a dedication and a consecration in your spirit to say, God, I'm going to value things that are holy. I'm going to value things that are sacred unto you, God. I'm not going to allow myself to be prostituted by the spirit of Doeg, but I make a decision today, God, that I will live for you. I make a decision today, God, that I will die for you. God, I make a decision today that I give you my heart and I give you my soul. I give you my life. I give you everything that I have today. Come on, would you lift up your voice right now and would you begin to pray unto God? Come on, would you lift up your voice right now and begin to cry out unto God? Come on, would you begin to pray right now? Come on, somebody. It's time to get rid of Doeg. It's time to quit playing games with things that want to take out what is sacred and holy. Come on, somebody pray right now in the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody make a commitment today that I'm going to value the things of God more than I'm going to value the things of this world. somebody make a commitment tonight I'm not giving up on God I'm not giving up on holiness come on would you just pray with desperation in your spirit right now come on would you pray right now with a hunger in your spirit 